there's a tendency to, you know, change your campaign, change your strategy, change your tagline, but actually repeating the same message, which of course has to be true to your company's authentic value and proposition, sticking with that message and repeating it often really does reap a lot of benefits. Hi, before we get to this week's podcast, I'd like to tell you that Automated Creative are releasing a book called How to Make It in Marketing, Volume 1. It is a collection of the best marketing career advice we've had from over 200 episodes of the Shiny New Object podcast. You'll hear from some of the biggest, brightest and best names in the industry showing you telling you how to grow your career. You can reserve yourself a copy at this URL. So get your pens out. It's bit.ly, so bit.ly forward slash make it in marketing. So that's bit.ly, bit.ly forward slash make it in marketing. But the make it in marketing bit is in capital letters. So bit.ly forward slash lowercase and the rest is make it in marketing uppercase. I think you should get your heads around that. And enjoy. It's a great read. Hello, and welcome to the Shiny New Object Podcast. My name is Tom Ollerton. I'm the founder of Automated Creative, and this is a weekly podcast about the future of marketing and advertising. Every week, I have a call with someone from the industry who's exciting, influential, entertaining, intelligent, all those things. And this week is no different. I'm on a call with Stephanie Bonnet, who is head of corporate communications at EDF in the UK. So, Stephanie, for anyone who doesn't know who you are and what you do, could you give us a bit of background? Yes. Hi, Tom. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, so I spent 20 years in PR in an agency in the WPP group where I had position in strategic uh, research and planning, knowledge management, and then digital marketing. Um, and I then moved on to um, an advertising company working on the PR, the digital PR for Adidas, uh, and then a global law firm called Legalators, where I helped the lawyers to use digital marketing for new business. Uh, and then seven years ago, I joined EDF in the UK, uh, first as a senior manager for digital marketing, and then the past few years, I've held position uh, in the comms department. So in that very, very career, what has been the best investment of your time, energy and money? So I, it's probably all the expatriation um, roles that I had opposition. So I started my career in Paris. As you can hear, I'm French. Uh, but then I moved to London for three years. Then I moved to New York for two years. Uh, I came back to Paris. Uh, then I did about a year in Amsterdam. And then I'm now back in, in London. Um, and I said the best investment of time and so on, because expatriation is an amazing experience that really grows you as a person. Um, but helps you to understand the different cultures, the different business contexts, and really uh, helps you to work better, more collaboratively with people from all around the world. It's not always easy. Actually, there are times that are really, really difficult when you're homesick. But ultimately, it's an amazing experience and one that really makes you a different person and a different professional as well. If you're going to go to yet another country, what would be the thing that you would take with you as a skill that you would apply in a new market? That probably would be um, not coming in with any preconception, not thinking that I know anything, uh, that where I am is new, is exciting. It's neither better or worse than where I was before. 
uh, and it's a new world to to discover. So really, the ability to be you know open-minded and and ready to learn from any anything anyone new around you. I think that's a nice attitude to life in general. Stephanie, you implied that and meeting new people, I think it would be good. Anyway, I'm getting slightly distracted. So what is your top marketing tip? The thing that has stood you in, you could say, although I'm fully aware that you are not, we didn't describe yourself as a marketer. Yes. Yeah, so I, I, when this question is asked, I always think of what um, a very, very strong head of marketing and head of brand uh, told me, which is to say, um, seek with one simple message and repeat it often. Uh, there's a tendency to, you know, change your campaign, change your strategy, change your tagline because you want something new and exciting all the time. But actually repeating the same message, which of course has to be true to your company's authentic um, value and proposition, sticking with that message and repeating it often, uh, over, and by I say often and for a long time, it's over the course of a few years, um, really does you know, reap a lot of benefits. So we're going to move on to your shiny new object, which is the rise of personal marketing. So I think I know what that is, but for the audience, could you give us a, an elevator pitch for what personal marketing is and why it's your shiny new object? I mean, in the past, it's probably what, you know, used to be called personal branding, um, but it's now the ability of, uh, one person selling to one person uh, in a very authentic and personalized way. And the trend for people to buy from uh, people, creators of their trust, rather than big corporations. Um, there's probably, um, I think, a little bit of people getting a bit tired of big and personal messages. Personal marketing is not influencer marketing. So, People may think that when they hear from influencers, they're going to buy from them. Actually, they don't. They buy from somebody who's repeating the message of a brand, of a corporation. Whereas personal marketing is when you create a relationship one-on-one with an author, with an online creator. And as a result of that, you develop trust and you're more likely to then buy from them. So what do you mean by one-to-one in in this scenario? Just help me understand exactly so if I, I mean, one example, I mean, one platform that really does well, does very well is Substack. So Substack is initially a newsletter platform, um, but it actually brands itself in a very successful way as uh, enabling people to create their own mini personal media empire. So you have journalists, for instance, writers who uh, leave their newspapers and create uh, the Substack and then regularly send newsletters and posts, and it can be video and podcasts and so on. And people decide to subscribe to them to hear their own take on a topic of an issue or an issue. And it's really the, the people who subscribe, it's their own choice to do that. You know, it's not the message not pushed at them. They willingly go and, and decide to read that person. And on Substack in particular, you can then comment, you can like, you can interact with the author. So that's how you create this very one-to-one relationship. And then later on, if that person says a masterclass, as some do, um, says a course, says a book, uh, says an appearance somewhere, because this relationship was created, then you're more likely to purchase from them. 
So it's just a, a different model whereby you say, look, I'm not expecting to reach a big audience necessarily here, but I want to reach an audience that are prepared to pay for my content, be it written or audio. Yes. This episode of the Shiny New Object podcast is brought to you in partnership with Madfest. Whether it's live in London or streamed online to the global marketing community, you can always expect a distinctive and daring blend of fast-paced content, startup innovation pitches, and unconventional entertainment from Madfest events. You'll find me causing trouble on stage, recording live versions of this podcast, and sharing a beer with the nicest most influential people in marketing. Check it out at www.madfestlondon.com. So who are the, who are the, who's doing that really successfully? Um, so you actually have people, and it's starting, I mean, it's a US platform, right? So in the US, you've got some former journalists who have moved to Substack and make hundreds of thousands of dollars from people paying to read their, their content now. Um, in the UK, one of the most popular uh, person uh, is Dominic Cummings, uh, the famous uh, mm. former political advisor to Boris Johnson, um, who possibly make up to 100,000 pounds from his Substack. Um, there, the most successful person in the US is somebody called Heather Cox Richardson, and she writes a daily letter called Letter from an American. And there's an estimate that she probably has hundreds of thousands of paid subscribers. Uh, and if they each pay, you know, 50 to 60 dollars a year, which is the average um, price, you can set your own price. Um, that's, you know, 600,000 or, or more uh, a year. So that's, uh, that's really successful. Um, and they're all, as you can hear, they're all individual person rather than corporation or brands. So. Is this really only monetizable if you've been given a platform elsewhere? Or are we seeing creators here who just are good at writing and start there? Or do you have to have some headwinds either from a political party or from a newspaper, for example? So you've got every model. You have people who already had an audience on some other platforms, such as Instagram, yes, or Twitter, and then they move there. But you also have people who start from nothing and then go up to... Um, I mean, maybe not a full income a year, but certainly a nice side income. Um, and, and the platform concept is interesting because, you know, there's this, uh, I don't know if it's a concept or a trend, something that suddenly you read about, which is deplatforming, this idea of not being tied to a platform, not being tied to a system like Instagram and to be, um, to have to be a victim of the algorithm and actually not have control of where and how your content is being seen. Um, and so with that kind of platform, you control your content, you control who comes to you, uh, you can accept or, you know, or, or decline people who want to subscribe um, and so on. And to answer your question about, do you need to have an established audience to then be successful? There's another example of a lady whose name I can't remember now, but she, she is, um, she's somebody who writes recipes and she started a, a Substack about a year ago. Uh, and she had, I think, only three or four thousand people on, followers on Instagram, which is not a lot. Um, 
And now she's got, I mean, 10,000 subscribers on Substack and she says her recipes and she's making money because on Instagram, if you've got 4,000 followers, you won't make any money. Sure. And so I'm curious, how did you come across this? Because it's very different as a shiny new object. And thank you for that. It's completely new to me. I'm embarrassed to say, but what, why did it pop up on your radar? Well, I, I'm an online creator myself as well on the side. Uh, I've had a, a blog. What's your, for- what's your, is it your name on the, no, it's uh, my blog is from the poolside.com. Um, and it's about boutique hotels around Europe because I, I, I love boutique hotels. This is, I'd rather spend money on, on a nice uh, travel experience than on a nice bag. Um, so I've been uh, doing that for like since 2013, so nearly 10 years. Started as a blog, uh, then I created an app. Uh, and then I'm always looking at what are the different ways that I can connect with my audience. Um, I've got a very small following on Instagram, about 1,700 people. Um, I did start a newsletter years ago, um, uh, but it, it was really much more like email marketing. So you push things out, people get it in their mailbox, and that's it, it stops there. With Substack, you've got all these interaction features, as I said, like um, the comments, the likes, which is like, the blogs of the past, but you can also have a chat like the WhatsApp. Um, so you you then have people interacting again more with you than they do on Instagram or when they do on the blog. Um, so yeah, so just part of the exploration of the different channels and tools that I can use to 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 keep um, sharing my love of boutique hotels with people. Do you mind me asking you how many followers you have? Where? Uh, on Substack. Uh, on Substack, I'm coming up to a thousand subscribers. That's amazing. You'll be retiring soon to sit around pools in uh, in lovely no, hotels. Because a <laughs> uh, thousand subscribers are most of them are free subscribers. Uh, uh, so, so what you do on Substack, you can either go completely paid or completely free, or some of the posts can be paid. Uh, so I and you decide what you offer for free and what you offer for a fee. Um, and most people stay on the free uh, plan, obviously, but you have a few people who, who will then uh, uh, get the paid offer. And over time, if you increase your subscriber numbers, then you know hopefully the portion of people who, who pay for some of the offering will be sufficient that it gives you a bit more, a bit more income. In my case, I don't do it so much for the money. Um, I really do it because. As I said, I, I like the fact that I don't have to worry about what is the new feature that I need to learn about on Instagram. Do I need to do more reels? Do I need to do different stickers? Do I need to be there every three days? Do I need to do a live or whatever? I don't need to learn how to game the platform. I just have my own platform and I, I can decide how I interact with people. And it's much more simple and, yeah, and, and authentic for my readers as well. What is your experience of brands on the platform? So, yes, so that's the thing. There's not many brands at all at the moment. It's really, that's why I call that personal marketing initially, because from my experience, it's it's individuals. Uh, They may have come from big media corporations before, but they're really there as themselves, not as the journalists from the FT or from the New York Times or something. That's their own space. Um, and I did some research. I haven't found any company yet that is using it. Um, the way that possibly brands can start interacting with it will be 
or can be with some uh, authors, I suppose, sponsoring some of them. Mm. Um, so you can sponsor a, a newsletter for several months or you can sponsor just the post, for instance. Uh, and a brand would do that by direct, directly getting in touch with the author and agreeing a price. Um, and um, so there's that. And then the other way that I think brand at some point may have to engage with Substack offers is by um, considering them as part of the PR effort that they do. So the same way you build relationships with journalists, um, you will have to build relationship with Substack offers because they will have a certain audience size. Uh, and usually those audience are not only uh, more engaged, but also they're very, um, can I say, focused and targeted. So you know exactly the kind of person you want because every author often has one topic, one industry, one angle, and therefore the audience could be especially interested in that specific uh, area. So what advice would you give to someone who is thinking of investigating Substack? either for themselves or in a work context? So I would say first to subscribe uh, to a few um, to a few Substack, just to, you know, get familiar with the platform, with the way people use it, um, how it's, yeah, how it's, it's marketed, how it's uh, been developed. Um, so that's the first thing. And then you can just start your Substack yourself very easily, very quickly, um, and you try, and then you ask a few of your friends and family to start following you. And then Substack has some built-in features that help to recommend your Substack to others on the platform. So there's a bit of a network effect where other offers may recommend your Substack, you recommend them as well. And that's when you expose to different audiences. Yeah. What are the things that don't work on the platform? What What do you see people trying to do where you think, oh, that really doesn't work for me? Uh, the people who try to monetize their Substack too quickly. So they create one, they do like two posts, and then the third post, boom, it becomes, especially if you don't have an audience first. If you had a big audience somewhere else, uh, then yes, you can do that from the start. But if you're just starting, um, you, ne you need to build credibility and reliability with your audience. So you need to spend probably, you know, a good six months to a year just doing it for free before you turn it on paid. And that here will allow you to understand what your audience needs and what you can charge for. And it may not be at all what, what you thought it would be. There's another I follow on, on Substack. She's a journalist from a women's magazine. Um, she started for free and initially she was, um, I think making people pay for you know, some, some of her books or something like that. And then she realized actually people were interested in her more on how she writes, uh, on storytelling. Uh, so that's what she started to sell via some master classes, for instance. So yes, yeah, start, start for free. Don't make the mistake of thinking that's going to be a quick way to get money. Do it because you want to engage with an audience because you want to express your voice. And then the financial reward will come later. So if someone was thinking of doing this, it, how possible would it be to repurpose content from another channel? Um, it's very easy. Yes, you can. Um, so I, re I, I still have my blog, for instance. And so I sometimes take a post, past blogs and I just, you know, copy and paste into the, the newsletter. Uh, you can take all your reels or all the videos you may have created, I don't know, for YouTube, for Instagram, 
and you can make a video post uh, on um, on Substack. And then in return, same thing. So when you post things on Substack, you can easily publish it on Twitter as well. Um, and so it's it, it's been seen there too. Well, thank you for educating me on a completely new bit of publishing that I didn't know anything about. And I'm quite red-faced about that I didn't, but how interesting. And what an unusual podcast. So thank you, Stephanie. If anyone wanted to get in touch with you to talk about this or anything else, how would you... Where's the best place to find you? Is it Substack or LinkedIn or Twitter? Where's your preferred place to communicate? Uh, yeah, it probably would be um, uh, it probably would be either LinkedIn or Substack. I'm, I'm Stephanie Bonnet on LinkedIn, uh, EDF, and uh, Substack it's uh, from the poolside.substack.com. Brilliant, Stephanie. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much, Tom. Hi. Just before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to write a review of the Shiny New Object Podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever it's called these days, or whichever podcast provider you use. We're an indie podcast, so it would go a long way for us if you could just share the word and give us a bit of a support on those channels. That would just be fantastic. If you haven't got time, that's also cool. And yeah, if you could tell your colleagues about the podcast and also, if possible, don't forget to subscribe. And I'd love to hear your feedback uh, if you'd like to speak on the podcast or be a guest or you think I'm asking the wrong questions, anything. I'd be super interested to hear what you think. So please email me at tom at automatedcreative.net. That's T-O-M at, uh, I'm not going to bother spelling it. Anyway, you'll work it out. Thanks so much.